Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's doing good very This is Eagle Eyes on Tech Guy. I'm Eagle Falcon. What a week. What a week. Of course, we already knew it was going to be one heck of a week. When we knew the Apple announcement was this Tuesday. But I think what was probably the most shocking thing about the Apple announcement is that there were absolutely no surprises. The rumor mill got everything right. Every single item that was talked about, every product, every detail, everything was right. But before we get into, get into that, I want to go over some of the little interesting little facts that were revealed during the announcement. And these are pretty much not going to get talked about anywhere because they aren't all that impressive, but is kind of a look into what Apple's thoughts are currently regarding their retail space. For starters, we talked about last week, the new spaceship campus is open. But there were two little factoids introducing that that I found absolutely fascinating. One of the comments I made about the park is the fact that because of the giant donut shape, they just kind of had the courtyard absolutely wasted. And I thought that was a weird design choice. Turns out that was intentional. That was actually part of the plan to have wilderness both on the outside and on the inside of the spaceship donut. In fact, one of the things they actually mentioned that just kind of fascinated me that they actually kept track of this they specifically planted 9,000 trees on the campus of Apple Park. Nine thousand. To the landscaper who counted all that, you are not paid enough. Also, Apple, I am extremely disappointed. I'm disappointed that you disappointed the great Saiyan Prince Vegeta in not planting that one extra tree. I'm severely disappointed. It could have been over 9,000, but you just didn't. Disappointed. The other interesting little fact about the Apple Park that was revealed in the keynote... 100% powered by renewable energy. Now, obviously, the 9,000 trees, trees thing is just, you know, a joke for the most part. The 100% renewable energy, on one hand, fantastic. You managed to pull this off to have wind and solar completely power the campus. That's remarkable, and that's... Not an easy feat. 
But I do want to know one thing. Is iCloud on this campus as well? Because the last thing I want to find out is that during a cloudy, windless day that uh, all Apple services get shut down. That's kind of the weird trade-off when you go with 100% renewable. On one hand, your cost of powering the campus is extremely low. You're not making a carbon footprint at all powering it. On the other hand, the amount of power you do have available fluctuates wildly. So that's going to be very interesting down the road to see, see how that goes. Now, if I remember right, I think they've mentioned in the past that iCloud is in Washington State, so there shouldn't be any interruption of services if, say, a thunderstorm happens over Apple Park and they have to close all the windmills because there's too much wind and the solar panels get nothing because thunderstorm. But anyway... That's enough about the Apple Park. What was really more fascinating was the shift in how they're looking at their retail stores. During the Apple announcement, and I'm willing to bet this is a handful of people that decided to make this move, and the rest of Apple just went, whatever. Because if you look on the Apple site right now, you're not going to find this. You're only going to find this if you watch the first, I think, 10 minutes of the Apple Keynote. Apple wants to call their retail stores, quote, town squares. The Apple town squares. They want to try and have their retail outfits become more of a destination to go to. Rather than, I'm going to try and not get distracted by the wall of bits that was just dropped in our Twitch chat. (laughs) Thank you, Boone, for all those bits. And I will end up having to replay those when we actually switch to to, to a game from the podcast. Um, Anyway, (laughs) back to the matter at hand. For those of you who only listen to the audio version, I highly recommend you go to twitch.tv and look at the past broadcast of this one. Because there is an amazing shower of bits right above me. (laughs) Their focus on their retail outlets now is going to be on having them be a destination to go to. Which at first I thought was, come on Apple, it's a store. Just, let me go there, get my iPod or whatever, and be on my way. But actually, making the retail store as an experience, as a place to go to, The more I think about it, the more oddly brilliant it is. 
Think about it for a moment. In 2017, we are living in the age of Amazon being the dominant retailer. Hands down. No doubt about it. We are now starting to shift towards having our groceries even delivered to our doorsteps. The thought of actually going to a store is starting to slowly fade away in some minds. And that mindset is starting to grow. This shift that Apple is planning in their retail space, when you think about it, makes a whole lot of sense. It really does. Without a doubt. They're also going to be pushing forward, and again, I'm actually kind of surprised this is on their website, what they're going to call Today at Apple, with daily events with special guests at their quote-unquote biggest stores to focus on what their equipment can do and how their software can do it. Now, I'm not going to lie. This isn't all that interesting to me personally. I mean, my big rig is an HP Z800. My streaming rig is a Dell laptop. I mean, the only thing I have that's Apple-related is this iPhone that I use to make calls and occasionally stream from a truck. So, I mean, that sort of thing doesn't, attract, doesn't appeal to me at all. For, but for someone in photography trying to do quick shots and trying to enhance them later with the dual cameras and whatnot, that could be very interesting. It's going to be something that I'm going to try and get more and more information on as it goes from a thought that one person dropped on a keynote to actually being something that Apple actually holds a spotlight up to. So, that concludes all the things that nobody cared enough to order to actually write an article about. Let's move to the stuff that people actually did write articles about. I'm going to actually go in the order of the keynote. We're going to start with Apple Watch Series 3. Let's be real honest, there actually isn't a whole lot to talk about. There's only really one thing they added here. And that's a cellular modem. Series 3 now has cellular data on it. You can also make calls from your phone. And the way Apple is setting it up, it shares off your iPhone. The watch itself doesn't have a separate number from your iPhone. Your phone will automatically hand off calls to your watch if you, say, have your phone in a locker, but you're off swimming nearby. That sort of thing. And when I say nearby, I mean, like, Within a couple of miles, something like that. Might actually even work if it's at home. It's a lot of things I don't really have a whole lot of details on. It's a whole lot of things that Apple really didn't talk about either. The important note here is the fact that it doesn't have its own phone number. 
which means it doesn't have its own contract. This was the thing that killed, underlying killed, the original Gear S. Well, that, and it was a two-inch phone strapped to your wrist. It was the fact that this $400 watch then needed its own contract. That made it the most unattractive thing ever, in addition to being a two-inch screen on, on your wrist. Honestly, I liked it, but the price was a bit of a deal killer. And even though this is the most minor change in the world, the size of the same, the processor's Actually, no, the processor is beefed up quite a bit. It's beefed up by like 70%, which considering how fast the original Apple Watch Series 2 and Series 1 processors were, not saying much, but still good to see the improvement. Biter Life is supposedly the same at 18 hours. I can't wait for someone who has more money than me to go test that and see if it holds true. But as long as that battery life holds true, even... At least 80% true? It's going to be the first Apple Watch I'm going to say fantastic. This is kind of what I've always wanted from a smartwatch. And not even my Samsung watch could do this. Because again, those watches that tried to emulate what Apple's now successfully nailed with more than likely throwing their weight around with the carriers you needed a separate phone number. And it was just awful. And so for that, great job, Apple. You've managed to actually do what nobody else could with a smartwatch. And I do mean that seriously. Congratulations. Now let's go to something you kind of uh, disappointed me a little on. Everyone else was eager to see the Apple TV 4K. I'm not. The Apple TV has gotten a refresh. It's the Apple TV 4K, meaning that it can, in fact, broadcast 4K. That's pretty much it. In a world where Foxconn has opened up new factories in the U.S. to make 8K televisions, Apple finally makes something that can broadcast in 4K. Congratulations. You did it. And what's even more disappointing about this is not just the fact that, congratulations, you jumped on the 4K bandwagon three years late. Well, two years late. Yeah, about two years. It's also the fact that the price of the Apple TV has gone back up to the territory of being unattractive again. The reason the Apple TV originally was just a hobby and then finally became a real product that people actually wanted 
was because they took out the storage, simplified the device, brought a great experience at a low price point. The big push, if you remember, was when the Apple TV relaunched as the little black hockey puck for a hundred bucks. And then we had the Apple TV version 2 with Siri and whatnot in it and a touch remote. $50 more. And it's like, okay, that's a bit more expensive, but I mean, I got a cool remote. But now the price has gone up to 180 or $200. And the only thing that's been added is 4K. And apparently somewhere in the mix, I'm not sure when exactly, we went back to having storage capacity in the Apple TV. Yay! So now, once again, just like A.O. Shaw in the Twitch chat now, looks at this and goes, well, why would I ever consider the Apple TV? I can just get the Amazon Fire TV for ten times the value. You don't even have to get the Fire TV or the Fire Stick. Just go to the Roku. Or a Chromecast. Or an anything. By almost doubling the price of what made Apple TV actually competitive. It's now making it look like, well, why would I do that? And it's a good question. Why would you do that? You can still get a non-4K Apple TV for $149. So there is that option. I just... Hands down, of all the things that were announced, the Apple TV 4K is the weakest of the four products announced. Without a doubt. Let's move on to iPhone 8. Now, a lot of people were kind of baffled by this, and I was too, as to why you would launch an iPhone 8 and not an iPhone 7S. And really, this does come off as a bit of an iPhone 7S. The design is very similar except it has this super strong glass on the back as well for a very good glossy look to it. And also includes wireless charging and a processor boost. I mean, that's pretty much it, but still it's a solid update. Nothing wrong with that. Top that off with the new features that will be included in iOS. You have a pretty good refresh. So, of course, you've got the iPhone 8, which I'm willing to bet 
even though it's already on pre-order, is already on massive back order. And the iPhone 8, which is the 4.7 inch model, will start at $799. The iPhone 7 8 Plus will start at $799. Did I say $799 on the iPhone 8? I meant $699. So, yeah, that's not all that surprising. The big differences here are the sizes. And by sizes, I mean colors. I'm completely mixing up my words now. And I said this in my quick, um, my first thoughts after the press conference aired, that I put as its own little mini-sode. But the iPhone 8 only has two sizes and three colors. Space gray, silver, and gold. And 64 gigs and 256 gigs. So now that I've had some time to digest it, here's the first thing. Starting the size at 64 gigs actually makes an entry-level iPhone very attractive. 16 and 32 gigs was kind of, ooh, I don't know if I can fit my everything on there. 64 gigs, you're probably going to fit most of it if you're an average user. If you're a power user, of course you're going to go for the 256 gig. And then store a backup of your computer while you're at it on there. I mean, seriously, that's just massive. Then, of course, the 8 has the one camera. The iPhone 8 Plus has the dual camera. One at a single zoom, the other at a double zoom. And then, of course, both of them have 8x digital zoom after that. Now, let's talk about the one thing Everyone has talked about the iPhone X or iPhone 10. The 10th anniversary iPhone. And already a lot of reporters are getting a few things wrong about the phone. And I commented on this again in the mini episode. First things first, the home button is gone. This also means the fingerprint reader is gone. Apparently all the rumors of Apple trying to develop a fingerprint reader built into the touchscreen was all for naught. They couldn't figure out how to do it. Instead, as a biometric security system instead of a fingerprint reader they are not using a facial recognition camera they are using a 3d imaging scanner to scan your face but eagle that's the same thing no it's not there is a distinct difference a facial recognition camera cannot tell the difference between my actual face and a picture of my face. A 3D scanner can. And the way this thing is doing it is with Intel's RealSense technology. 
It's the same sort of thing you'll find in... The first thing that comes to mind is the Razer Stargazer. There's a couple other laptops and tablets with the same technology in it, and they basically just have it for, for the heck of it. Because of that, it does have a camera, but this camera using infrared and an IR blaster can sense depth. It can tell the tip of your nose is a few inches forward from the back of your eye. It can tell all of that. And it's all in that little bar at the top of this phone where the speaker also is. And then, of course, the rest of the phone is just screen. In addition, I was skeptical that the rumors said that it was going to be an OLED screen. Turns out, it is an OLED screen. That means brighter whites, blacker blacks, much better color contrast. Now, hopefully... Hopefully, this OLED screen is going to be more stable than the ones in the recent Samsung phones. Hopefully, they last longer. I haven't heard any reports of the OLED screens in the Apple Watches going dead. So, I'd assume they have a good carrier for those screens. But again, time will tell. Of course, the iPhone X does not have a headphone jack. If you thought it would, you were a foolish fool. It does have lightning on the bottom, back-facing speaker. I mean, bottom-facing speaker, I'm sorry. Bottom-facing microphone. Microphone at the top, etc. Speaker at the top. Dual cameras on the back. Etc. 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 It has the same processor as the iPhone 8, and that's an important detail to know that the system on its chip that the iPhone 8 has is also in the iPhone X. If you jump up to the iPhone X hoping for a performance increase, you're, you are not going to get it. Also, because there is no home button. The gestures have changed on the iPhone X. Normally, on your iPhone, if you swipe up from the bottom, you're going to get this thing called this taskbar. It has your base controls like your Wi-Fi, your airplane mode, Bluetooth, flashlight access, compass, etc., etc., etc. On the iPhone X, you will not get that. You will instead it'll act as your home button. The rest of the gestures right now are somewhat unknown. I'm not sure how you would get the taskbar. I don't know if you just hold long press on the screen. Or what you would do to get that. I'm also not sure how you get access to Siri other than saying, Hey Siri, and hope it actually works. For once, mine actually did activate when I did that. I didn't find any appointments about for once in the next three months. Yeah, 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 whatever. 
Of course, Siri always has a problem with actually figuring out what I actually said. But that's just me. Now, Aeroshaw actually did ask a good question. Does it have a backup key code option like Touch ID? Yes. It will have a backup key code. It has to either be a four-digit, a six-digit, or a full-blown crazy password. Like having a password that says, this is not a secure password, all one word. You could have it do that if you really wanted to. That much is not going away, which is good. Again, just like the just like the iPhone 8 and the previous phones before it, it will be water resistant, dust resistant, all that jazz. And just as the rumor said, this phone starts at a thousand dollars. Now that sounds jarring. But that's only 200 more than the current iPhone 8 Plus. So what do I think? As far as the current iPhone lineup of going with a current phone, I would honestly say just go for an 8 Plus and be happy. The fact that the 8X is only in the plus size says that Apple's starting to drift away from the smaller screens. It's clear people want the bigger phone because the screen is now so valuable for showing media. Or anything, really. And also keep in mind, more than likely, at least here in the U.S., when you're talking $800,000, you're paying a small amount now and paying the rest over two months. That's how it's done currently in the U.S. How it's done in your neck of the woods, you would have a much better idea how it's done in your neck of the woods than I would, by far. I am but a Midwestern tech enthusiast that has no idea how the rest of the world decides how phones are done. Okay, I have some idea, but you know what I mean. You'd have a much better chance of knowing what the price is around you and how it's paid than I would. But even so, I would still stick with the iPhone 8 for now. But... If you plan on sticking in the Apple ecosystem, learn how the iPhone X will work. Because I guarantee you in a year or two, the iPhone X style of phone is going to be the only one sold. In addition, I'm willing to bet a lot that this iPhone X style is going to come to the iPad. And it's going to be very interesting when it does because, well, there's not a bezel on the iPhone X. And on a tablet, you want bezel. You want a safe spot on the tablet that you can grab it and not activate something. Because while I can hold the edges of my phone, 
it's much harder to grab the edges of a tablet with one hand. And you need to grab two edges, otherwise you risk dropping it. So, with all that being said, that pretty much concludes everything that was announced. That being said, I want to talk about the iPod Touch. But Eagle, why would you bother going with the iPod Touch? Here's why. During this week on the radio, I heard a very interesting question asked by the host. The talk show host asked, what is the appropriate age for a child to get their first smartphone? intriguing question and the reason this actually brings up the iPod Touch is because the iPod Touch is a very good alternative to give smartphone like features to a kid at a budget price I mean, come on. The iPhone is, you know, starting at $800. The iPod Touch starts at $200. It's a no-brainer. But here's the thing that has me a bit worried. Now, first off... To me, the answer is 16, and it's going to be a really either old iPhone or, like, a $250 Android phone. And either way, the parent should lock the living heck out of it. The reason should be fairly self-explanatory. But the reason I want to talk about the iPod Touch is the fact that The iPod Touch has seen zero love in three years. Three years ago, it got updated with colors and a new chip. That's it. It's running the A8 chip which not even the Apple TV runs anymore. The new iPhones run the A11 system on a chip. Well, technically it's the A11 Bionic and I have no idea why Apple added the word bionic other than to sound sci-fi-y.
so I'd say it's a pretty safe bet, as much as I hate to say it. The iPod Touch is more than likely staring at being discontinued. I'd say give it about another year. And then once that's done, what's the alternative? Actually getting a kid a six, seven hundred dollar iPhone? Or is it going to iPad mini territory? I'm actually very curious what other people's opinions are. If the iPod Touch should have a future as a smartphone alternative for someone who's not yet ready for a smartphone. Or is it actually time for the iPod to die off? I'd love to hear your opinion. Go ahead, send me an email. EagleFalconTech at gmail.com And with that, we are done Done. Done. With the Apple announcements. With any Apple news, any Apple talk whatsoever. However, we still have quite a bit more coming up. Threadripper motherboard showing up. Destiny 2 thinking they accidentally promoted hate speech. And... Motherboards promoting (laughs) cryptocurrency mining once again. Hang tight, we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by everyone who has ever subscribed, tipped, cheered, or donated to the twitch.tv slash eagle underscore falcon twitch channel. You can go there as well. And either subscribe, donate, or tip. And join those who have helped support this podcast. This month as well, in the month of September, you can subscribe to the channel or any Twitch channel for 50% off and still support the full amount. Thank you, everyone who has helped make this possible. I don't think anyone has any idea how long it's actually been since I actually put ads back into the podcast. And it's always been stuff like that to actually show where you can go to actually support an actually ad-free podcast. Welcome back, Eagle, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Let's jump back to more evidence that powerhouse AMD chips, it's not just a rumor, it's actually going to happen. We've kind of seen it in the past, AMD releasing a chip 
and it seems like the new hotness and motherboards just never come out for it, or it only ends up in the server market like the Opterons. And the only reason why this is really noteworthy is the fact that it's been so long since we've actually seen AMD motherboards matter. Usually they've just been like gimped down little budget things. But here we have the MSI Gaming Pro Carbon AC motherboard. 16 RAM slots, all surrounding its Big old CPU socket. 10 USB ports on the back. Possibly 11. I can't tell by the image. 4 PCI Express 16X slots. All of which running at full 16X, I might add. It's actually the high-end boards. They're actually coming back for someone other than... The Intel X-Series chips. And not gonna lie, this motherboard is actually... As far as gaming motherboards, pretty generic. It looks nice and slick. You got that nice black edged look all over the place. It's probably got a bunch of LEDs on it as well, because that's the new hotness in gaming motherboards to make it look like an actual laser light show. All that jazz. It's just finally good to to see this isn't a dream. And I'm not going to lie, for like the last few months, even though I kept talking and talking and talking and talking about Ryzen and Threadripper and how they might actually be competition for Intel again, it still felt like a dream. But this is the first actual piece of proof. It's actually happening. Huzzah, huzzah, huzzah. Finally, we can build overpowered rigs again that have more than a 6% performance increase over the last rig we built four years ago. Finally. And I can't wait to see what the game makers and the software developers do with this new CPU horsepower and how everyone will then hate me because they have to go build new rigs. Not because they wanted to, but because they can't run their stuff anymore. You know, now that I said it out loud, I actually regret everything I've ever done. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm sure Destiny 2, however, regrets everything it ever did. This was something that I only found out about... I'd say, oh, 15 minutes before the show started. And it's about a random design that Destiny 2 put on one of its gauntlets. Destiny 2, if you don't know, it's a shooter game, first-person shooter, where you're basically collecting gear and constantly gearing up along the way, much like an MMO. 
I'm not sure if I'd be going so far to call it an MMO game. But it flirts with the title quite a lot. One of the gauntlets, the armor that appears along your arm, has suddenly become controversial. As the title of the article from GameSpot says, Destiny 2 removing item that, quote, shares elements with a hate symbol. Now, two thoughts goes through my head, and you're probably thinking the same thing as I am. One, oh god, how could Bungie be so stupid as to allow a swastika to appear on, a, on an item? Or two, why would they include Pepe and who cares? Believe it or not, this is actually dumber than either of those two things. Now, for those of you who don't know, I have to give a little bit of my own background regarding 4chan. Alright, I've been a lurker on 4chan for much of, pretty much my entire high school life. And then into my college life. And even nowadays, I still lurk around there. And I know what it's always been. 4chan has always been a site where it's just trolls trolling trolls. Everyone competing to try and out-troll each other, which just causes language to escalate further and further and further and further until it just becomes absurd. That is how it's been since the dawn of time. Very few people on 4chan actually believe the garbage they spew. Of course, there are always exceptions to the rules. But in general, if something ever comes off 4chan, everyone used to, at least, dismiss it as, Oh boy, those crazy idiots. And that's how I've always dismissed it. Because I've been one of those crazy idiots. But I look at the gauntlet. It's green. I see a gray letter I, then a backwards K, then three or four white horizontal lines, and then a forwards K in gray. And despite all my experience with being in the 4chan community, this one got completely lost on me. I looked at this and went, how is that hate speech? How is that hateful at all? I then had to dig further and further and further to figure out what about this 
was hateful. And that's when I came across a little gem created by the 4chan board Poll. Poll, if you don't know, is the politically incorrect 4chan board. They're mostly infamous for acting like neo-Nazis and being a bunch of idiots. And that's basically all they do. They're a bunch of idiots that talk big and have nothing to back it up. They're the kind of people that if you go boo, at, they jump out of the chair and run away. They made a flag that has a backwards K, three horizontal lines, and then a forwards K, and then a K above and below this word. Now, if you've ever been to 4chan or Reddit, you'll know right away K-E-K, also known as Keck, is basically like... Is basically another way of saying LOL. It's not quite the same, but it's basically the same. Then this flag's just green with a cross on, on it beh- behind that, and then the little 4chan logo in the corner. So... I want to know who actually cares. This to me, okay, fine. Destiny just went ahead, they removed it just because, oh, whoops, oh well. But come on. One of the key rules of the internet is that you never, ever, ever feed the troll. This is literally acknowledging that Paul's little stupid flag that 99% of the world doesn't even know what this is actually matters. And it doesn't. In the end, this means very little. But it does mean one more moment where the let's not feed the troll sort of thing gets ignored. And more and more in this day and age, you really do need to start telling trolls, stop that, go away, you you don't matter. We're going to continue living in the world. Instead of letting your nonsense get in the way and ruin everyone's good time. And finally, I want to talk about just one more motherboard. Just one more. 
this one I guarantee you is yet another hilariously entertaining Bitcoin mining motherboard. Now it's going to be hard to imagine what this motherboard is, so I'll try to describe it as best as I can. This is a very long board. It is roughly 19.1 inches by 77 by I'm sorry, not 77, 7.7 inches. So fairly average depth, but very tall. Sitting on an LGA 1151 socket, and just like the last Bitcoin mining motherboard, sitting on a low-end B250 chipset. For RAM, it has one SODIM, a laptop-size memory chip, and has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight full length PCI Express cards to add eight GPUs specifically for Bitcoin mining. But to top it all off, it also has one little M2 slot on it for a little SSD. Oh, even better, there are 16 8-pin connectors along the side and bottom of this motherboard. Now, at first glance, I don't see the primary 24-pin connector, so I'm not sure how you're actually supposed to power this motherboard, if it's supposed to use a proprietary power supply or what. Oh, we also have, I missed this, one little 4-pin connector that's also designed for graphic cards. But yeah, I don't see the primary 24-pin connector that would actually go to the motherboard to power it. So Colorful's got to tell me how I'm supposed to do some serious Bitcoin mining when I can't even power the motherboard. Or if I am just supposed to power it with nothing but... Uh, six-pin uh, power supply connectors and nothing else. But the point is with this comically absurd motherboard, which, once again, you're going to have to find a custom case in order to fit this crazy motherboard, because I'm 80% positive this isn't a standard size. And the article, quickly looking through, says it does not. They are clearly, clearly making sure that this Bitcoin mining craze is not going anywhere anytime soon. That was the wrong thing I needed to click. Let's instead hit the right thing. 
Everything went so well! And then I screwed it up at the end. That's going to do it for me today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I will be back next week, 12 o'clock Central Time, noon, at twitch.tv slash eagle underscore falcon. Otherwise, you can always listen to it afterwards, either on Spreaker or on iTunes or wherever you can. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Whatever business you're in, growth isn't just about getting bigger. At ADP, we believe it's about getting stronger by turning data into insights so you can build teams that work as teams. By using our AI technology to help catch payroll errors before their errors. And by keeping ahead of thousands of changing regulations so you can keep ahead of everything else. ADP helps businesses like yours grow stronger every day. ADP, HR talent, time, and payroll.